And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, May the 10th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 10, 1869, a golden spike was driven into the ground in Promontory, Utah. It marked the completion of the first transcontinental railroad in the United States. Big deal. There's still a monument there, I understand. I haven't been there, but I think there's a monument there that kind of tells the story. But that connected the East Coast and the West Coast and everything in between by the railroad. Today in 1775, Ethan Allen and his Green Mountain Boys, along with Colonel Benedict Arnold, he captured, yeah, that that Benedict Arnold, captured the British-held fortress at Ticonderoga, New York. Today in 1924, J. Edgar Hoover was named as acting director of the Bureau of Investigation. We know it as the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Today in 1933, Nazis staged a massive public book burning in Germany, all across Germany. In fact, there were many of them. Today in 1940, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, he resigned he was the guy, remember, he met with Hitler and came back to England and told told his fellow countrymen everything's going to be just fine, basically. I mean, he said more than that, but essentially his message was, I've met with Hitler and don't worry about it. Everything's under control. Everything's going to be just fine. Well, it wasn't fine, as the world knows. Winston Churchill became prime minister with Neville Chamberlain's resignation. Winston Church, Churchill Turned out to be a uh, tremendous leader. He formed a new government. Today, in 1941, Adolf Hitler's deputy, Rudolf Hess, he parachuted into Scotland on what he claimed was a peace mission. Hess ended up serving, he was trying to get away, ended up serving a life sentence at Spando Prison till 1987, where he apparently, the report was that he committed suicide. He was 93 years old at that time. And today in 2010, President Barack Obama introduced Supreme Court nominee Elena Kagan. He billed her as a unifying force for a fractured court. That, of course, was a lie. I think he knew that. She was not a unifying force. She's a far-left activist on the Supreme Court. Much going on in our world today. I hope you had a great weekend, celebrated. If your mother is... Living, I hope you were able to tell her you love her and you appreciate her. Many of us, our parents have passed on. Mine to be with the Lord, my wife's as well. But we spent a few minutes yesterday just remembering things about our family and our mothers in particular. But I hope you had a good weekend. And thank you so much for joining us today. Much is going on in our world. I'm going to talk about some of it today, what's happening in our world as we speak today. But I'd like to look further back than even the history that we always touch on, the historical incidents that we touch on every morning when we come on the air. We talk about what happened in history. This precedes anything I just shared with you. It was written more than 2,000 years ago, about 2,700 years ago, I believe. The eternal God is thy refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Isaiah wrote, 59, chapter 59, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west 
and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I want to talk a little bit about lifting up a standard against him, him being Satan, someone whom the left now laughs about and denies that they even exist, while they themselves are the servants and the representatives of the person they say doesn't exist, Satan. We live in a mixed up world, there's no question about that. Washington Governor Jay Inslee has signed the bill into law. You knew about it. We've talked about it on this program. We knew it was coming. The um, legislature, state legislature, passed it in April, a couple of months ago now. But the bill incorporates the doctrine of equity, cultural competency, and dismantling the institutional racism into training for all K-12 through educators across the state of Washington. It was Bill 5044. As I said, we talked about it on this program. Others were talking about it around the state. And as I said, it passed the state legislature in April. School, district, uh, school districts in Washington state now must use one of their three professional learning days to specifically train all staff in topics of cultural competency, diversity, equity, and inclusion. These topics were among the several that are listed in the bill. The bill says the legislature plans to continue the important work of dismantling institutional racism in public schools and recognizes the importance of increasing equity, diversity, inclusion, anti-racism, and cultural competency training throughout the entire public school system, that would be of Washington State, by providing trained programs for classified staff, certified instructional staff, certified administrative staff, superintendents, and school directors that will be provided in an ongoing matter. Bottom line, they're very serious about this, and they want this state to be completely, 100% indoctrinated. And it begins, they're going to they're going to continue this. And they don't just start with a burst, as sometimes we conservatives, and particularly Christian conservatives do. We get all worked up about something, and we really go after it, and then we forget about it and move on. The left seems to have the ability to just keep going. Incrementalism. Remember Ed Murray? He was in the he was a represent, state representative, then he was a state senator, then he became mayor of Seattle, then he got caught in all of the illicit affairs he'd had with little boys over the years. So he was forced to resign as mayor of Seattle. I suppose he's carrying on somewhere doing law or whatever, but remember that? Before he was shamed when his all of his relationships became public, little boys, really, young ones. Before that, the Seattle Times used to celebrate him, particularly when so-called same-sex marriage became the law, became acceptable in the state of Washington. I remember well because they quoted me in the article, but they were celebrating Ed Murray, and Ed Murray told me, he said, how did you do this? How did you organize and all of this? And just celebrating the guy because he had kind of led the fight and he won. 
But he's, he told them, he's, he told the Seattle Times, and they reported it. He said, the key to this, he said, to changing the culture is incrementalism. You just stay at it. And inch by inch, you just continue. And he said, over time, you win. Well, that's what's going on in our culture today. You can f- forget about Ed Murray, but don't forget about the fact that this spirit, this whole idea, and this approach continues. So here we are. The legislature passed the bill. Governor Jay Inslee signed it because, of course, he would sign it. The proponents of the bill, according to the state Senate report, I read it again. I had read it earlier, but I read it again this morning, in fact. He said that uh, it says that it wants to help educators better support those who are immigrants and students of color and that it will make students feel safe, heard, and understand. But that isn't true at all. Not at all. This is a one more platform to push forward an agenda that is anti-American and in particular anti-Christian at its core. They don't address that in this uh, Bill 5044, but it is. It's divisive. It's dangerous. And the whole thing is based on this critical race theory, CRT, that I've talked about so much on this program and through which students can be taught to judge others based on the color of their skin. That's what this is all about. There's nothing more than that in this. Equity, in contrast to equal opportunity, seeks to create equal outcomes by redistributing resources along lines of perceived economic or racial disparities. In the name of equity, New York City is doing the same thing, and others across the country. It isn't just Washington State. This idea of anti-racism is that one can only be anti-racist by actively identifying and confronting perceived racism all the time and everything, because in a critical race worldview, it's impossible for racism to be absent from any situation. If you're like me, you go, what? (laughs) That's what your kids are going to be taught and your teachers are going to be schooled on and prepared to teach beginning now. It's a law. It's in place. Governor Inslee signed it, as he always does, if it's that kind of legislation. This whole thing is being advanced by this Boston University professor. His name is Ibram X. Kendi. He wrote a book back in 2019 that's become their Bible. Really, it has. How to be how to be an anti-racist. An anti-racist is any measure that produces or sustains racial equity between racial groups. The book says the bottom just the bottom line. I haven't read the book, but I've read an overview of it very carefully, and I've read portions of it. Maybe I've read almost all the book, but I didn't read it from cover to cover. But the basic message of the book is that there is no such thing as a non-racist or race-neutral policy. That's what Kendi teaches in this book. Trump came along as president, and he said, well, he said, we're going to ban the training materials 
on this divisive and harmful and sex-race-related uh, ideologies in the workplace. So he banned all that he could. He, he said, we're not going to teach this in our institutions, military and otherwise, which is being done now, again, because Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, rescinded the order instead of issuing an order that stated that his administration would pursue a comprehensive approach to advancing equity for all, which means he has once again, not, as Jay Inslee has done in Washington State, Biden has done in the nation, and he's wrapped his arms around this demonic teaching that is only in the end game destructive of individuals, of a nation, of our institutions. These people that are promoting this, they are not giving Martin Luther King Jr. a front seat on the bus. They're throwing him under the bus, not because of the color of his skin, but because of what he believed. He believed that we should come to a point in America and in the world where we don't judge people by the color of their skin. Many of us were there through the blood of Jesus Christ. When our sins are forgiven, when our lives are transformed by the power of God, it brings us to a point where we see people from a biblical point of view, a biblical worldview. We see people as people, not the color of their skin. Of course, we know the colors. We know the difference between black and white and brown and red and yellow. That's silly to say otherwise. But to judge a person by the color of their skin, whether it's black or white or other, that's what the power of God transforms lives, not to be racist, but to love people. Because God created us in his image, his likeness. But this is going the other way. Martin Luther King Jr. came along and he said, I dream of a day or whatever. He said, when we don't judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, who they are. These people in the name of that civil rights movement have now come and they are destroying everything that Martin Luther King Jr. and others stood for and taught. That's how crazy our world is. Guys like Jay Inslee go along with it. He was hoping to be the climate czar. He didn't get that job. John Kerry got it because John Kerry and Joe Biden are buddies, longtime buddies. But people like this are just enabling this, along with the state legislature. They're enabling this kind of confusion in our culture, and it is indeed confusion. But it is the kind of confusion that is beyond destructive. And I want to talk to you for a moment about that today. Some pastors are starting to really take a stand. I'm not... Um, I'm not... I'm not hesitant to say often because I believe it, having been a pastor and in the ministry my entire adult life. Too many pastors are too silent in the world we live in today. They need to be speaking out and they need to be doing so under the authority of Almighty God in His Word, but we need to be speaking to the culture. And I mention that often on this program because I feel very deeply about it. If the pulpit doesn't lead this country, somebody else will. It'll be like 
those two women that started Black Lives Matter and whomever. And the Jay Inslees will come along behind them and sign legislation. And Joe Biden and the rest of them. If the pulpit doesn't lead this country, it will go to hell in a handbasket in a hurry. And that's what we're seeing. But pastors are starting to speak out. And I'm hearing it. I thank God for it every day. And I think all of us do if we're aware of it. There are pastors among us today and Christian leaders that are saying, you know what? I'm not going to be silent anymore. I'm going to speak to the issues. I'm going to call it what it is. We try to do that on this program in our own way each day, each weekday. We originate live at 9 o'clock in the morning on ACN, and then we're on other stations in slight delay, but we stay as current as we can in creating this program so we can talk about what's happening that day. I got several email, in fact, uh, over the weekend, one in particular I had interchanged with a person who supports this ministry in Spokane, Washington. And um, he said, man, I I, um, had a, it was actually a Bible study the other morning, and I guess it's regular. He said, I tuned in your program to listen to it on ACN at 7.30 in the evening. It's been on there for a number of years at 7.30 in the evening. He said, it's not there. I didn't know that. But it isn't there anymore. So, if, And I heard from a couple of others. They said, yeah, I tried to listen to you, and, and you're not on anymore at 730 uh, in the evening. Well, I, I think there's probably more than whom have contacted me. So I just want to tell you that that has been a bonus time that since we started this program, it's been on there in the evenings. And um, we're, we pay for all of our airtime, but that one was a bonus time that we were given. And we've been on there, and a lot of people have been listening to it in the evening, and some have, as I said, contacted me over the weekend, in fact, and said, you're not there. What happened? You know, you're gone or whatever. No, we're not gone, but we're not on there anymore. We were replaced by uh, someone uh, else, whatever programs are on there. I'm not sure what's being aired there. But I just wanted to mention that in passing, and that's the deal. That is I think we have an arrangement in Seattle as well that we're on at like 10 or 10.30 in the evening. I'm not looking at the schedule, but that too is a bonus and it's subject to be replaced whenever. And uh, so there's no real contract agreement with the station owners in that regard. So all the rest of our time is paid for and it's paid for by your contributions. And I just want to be very, very clear on that, where we are and and what that's about. What I do want to do, and we just don't have the money to do it, but I want to set up a deal on our website where we have um, where we have like like a a podcast or we have a, a library of our programs where you can go on there and you can just listen to that day's program. It'll be, you know, a few hours delayed, but we'll get it up on there. And that's where I want to go with this so that you can listen to it anytime you want to or, or it's convenient for you uh, and you can listen and get that particular day's program up that day. We just, it it's cost several thousand dollars and we just don't have the money to do it uh, above and beyond our regular monthly bills. And so when we're able to do that financially, if, if somebody, you've got some money that you don't know what to do with, um, I can help you with that. But anyway, we will we'll get to that when the Lord allows us to do that. But that's kind of where we're going. And I've been thinking about this and praying about it. And we just kind of made the decision that we need to do that. 
And so that'll be coming whenever the money's available to do it. But anyway, that's if you've been listening on at 7:30, and we're not no, we're not there anymore. But that we're not gone. Uh, believe me, we're expanding. And so um, just wanted to mention that to you. And thank you for your support, by the way, while we're on the subject. Thank you for your support. It is absolutely necessary and deeply appreciated. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can contribute online. It's Faith and Freedom, A-N-D, freedom.us. And you can see a little tab there. You can click it, donate online. Saturday morning cartoons used to be the norm for kids, but that was in the 60s. In fact, cartoons, you could just sort of let your kid watch the cartoon and not really pay a lot of attention to it. It was funny stuff, silly stuff. They liked it. But now cartoons have become pretty much taken over by this woke social warriors on the far left. None the least of which, but not only the LGBTQ plus activists. What I'm finding as I'm watching this is that the most fundamental beliefs of Christianity are being canceled and replaced with relativism, including the teachings of Jesus himself. I want to spend the rest of our time talking about this, but I wrote an article on this today. It's at faithandfreedom.us. And as I said, thankfully, some pastors and Christian leaders are speaking out. One pastor of a megachurch in California, he said, of all the things that dis- uh, that disturb me in this culture, of all the horrific, sinful, wretched, wicked, corrupt influences that go on in this culture, the war on children distresses me the most. I think most of us, all of us, hopefully, that are parents and grandparents, it distresses us as well if we know about it. So we've got to be informed. Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, they're among the worst now. They're not trying to entertain your kids. They're trying to indoctrinate them. They're both indoctrinating their young viewers about racial equity and gender identity, but they're undermining now the very foundations of biblical Christian teaching. And often while parents are busy doing other stuff, they're not paying attention. And I mean, parents are busy, but we need to be informed. There's just as an example, this isn't the only one, but this Steven Universe, it's a flagship cartoon on Cartoon Network. It follows this young boy named Steven, of course, and um, he goes on adventures with his magical alien-like creatures. Well, it was Cartoon Network's first series to be created by a woman who's become known for including themes like gender identity and sexuality. Caught my attention... In an LGBTQ-focused magazine, it's called Them. I don't read these things regularly, but I pay attention to what they're publishing. But this Them magazine, it came out very just with raving reviews of what this woman was putting on cartoons. Well, would they like it? I want to know what it is. And they're calling this particular one, this Steven Universe, the queerest cartoon on television. In their article recently, they're praising its inclusion of lesbian relationships, non-binary characters, and, the, and a, even a same-sex wedding. The Disney, or the Cartoon Network, supported the Transgender Day of Visibility, which was just recently. I talked about it. You may remember that. 
They created a cartoon strip designed to teach kids about gender pronouns. I talked about that as well on this program when it happened. It is having, <clears throat> it is having an effect on kids. A recent study from Barna found that 31% of teens and young adults strongly agree that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society, based on what collectively what people believe. Compared with just 25% in 2018, so in three years, that transition is taken, that shift. From 25% to 31%. That's incrementalism. Ed Murray would like that. He would rejoice in that. Generation Z has been called by most people who write about these things as the first <clears throat> truly post-Christian generation. Several reports that I've read recently say there are only 4% of that generation, that's the kids, the youngest generation, that hold a biblical worldview, 4%. I don't know if that's you know, true, but several are saying that now. Researchers have also found that two-thirds of teens and young adults, 65%, agree that many <clears throat> religions can lead to eternal life, compared to 58% just in 2018. That's a dramatic shift again, because Jesus clearly taught, John 14, 6, you probably know this from memory, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. It isn't through Islam, it's not through Buddhism, it's not through Zaoism, it's not through any of these other false religions. We can only come to God through the person of Jesus Christ by accepting him as Lord and Savior and believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth that Jesus died for our sins, that he was resurrected by the power of God on the third day, and that he lives. I mean, I'm sorry that that conflicts with so much of what's going on in our world, but that's it. That's not my word. That's God's word. I'm simply here trying to tell you about it today. Only 10% of young people strongly surveyed strongly disagreed that right and wrong change over time as society changes. 90% of them said, yeah, that's probably true. There's no basis. There's also a crusade to acquire a lot of children's personal data, and I wrote about that in this article today as well. So be sure and take a look at that if, if you're interested in, the, in, in this subject, and I hope you are. Public school apps were found to be sending student data to third parties 67% of the time. Those in private schools were sending data 57% of the time, and private schools are not all Christian. Meanwhile, 18% of the public school apps included high-risk third parties, meaning organizations that go on to share data with potentially hundreds of thousands of entities. What we're saying is when your little kid fires up his iPhone or her and starts talking on it, they are harvesting that data and they are selling it 67% of the time, harvesting it to others who buy the information. Oh, there's so much more, but we're out of time. But thank you for joining me today. We will continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Again, thanks for your support. Box 399, Bellevue 98009. I'll see you tomorrow.